them, but they're actually doing a special class for them tonight. So if you are 10, 11, 12, or 13, you get to go. Barrett, that's not you. Barrett's all excited about it. Yeah, buddy. Uh, and it's Sayla's birthday. Hey, happy birthday, Sayla. Anyone else's birthday? All right, so Brother Noah, you can get up and go. Adios. If there's anybody else, 10, 11, 12, or 13, this is not something we do every single Wednesday. But uh, tonight, they're, they're more than welcome to exit. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Why don't you uh, reach over, fist bump somebody, or look across the room, catch someone's eye, tell them it's good to see them. It's good to see all of you. Glad you're here. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to uh, read very quickly 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 and 26. I'm going to stay right in line with what we were doing last Wednesday night. So I'll give you some direction in just a moment. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 says this, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain. So basically, run to win is what it's saying. Run to win. Not half-heartedly. Not in church one day and out of church the next. Run to win. Why don't someone say that? Say, run to win. It goes on. It says, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly. Then it says, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. I am running with purpose. Several Sundays ago, I preached about 2020 run. Not 2021. 2020 run. Listen, last year, everything was hurry up and wait. It was moving as slow as turtles. And, of course, we are going to continue to use wisdom as much as possible. But we as the church need to be on our marks. We need to be ready, and we need to go. We need to run after revival. We need to run after Bible studies. We need to run after reaching the lost. Some of us, we need to run after financial freedom, bigger baskets. You need to run after that, that new job opportunity, that new business possibility. 2020 run. So uh, last week uh, on Wednesday night, I talked about setting the pace, setting the pace, setting the pace. And a pace setter, just in case you're wondering, uh, some people call them rabbits, and they are runners that are used most often in middle to long distance races. And they are these runners that they are there really to help other runners. They are there to help other runners set their pace. So a pace setter is someone knows they know how to run and they know how to run at a certain speed. So they are there to help. Uh, for instance, there's a guy right now. Uh, his name's Eliud. I can't remember his last name. That's very hard to pronounce. But he is in. He is. He's been pressing to run a marathon in less than two hours, and I believe he's just barely just accomplished that. But really, he hasn't done that on his own. He's had skilled pace setters that show him how fast to run each mile. And so if he can just keep up with that guy, he's going to make it. Now, I believe this church, we are to be pace setters. We're to, we're, we're to be there to show others how to serve God. Those that are church members, you've been in this thing for a minute or two. You're a leader. You're in ministry. You are there to set an example and to show others how to run this great race of faith. Show them how to serve God. Show them how to pray in the prayer room. Show them how to be faithful. Show them how to live holy. Show them how to teach Bible studies. We are here to set the pace. And so last week, uh, we talked about the, the first thing, setting the pace. We took the word pace, and we looked at the P in the letter pace, and we talked about a pace setter, and this church is passionate. Everyone say passionate. passionate. Passion. It's defined as a powerful, overwhelming feeling or emotion. Passion is the heartbeat of the church. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a, a part of something that's dead and boring and it's a it's 
I don't want to be a part of that. You don't want to be a part of that. Ain't nobody want to be a part of that. Passion, it's the heartbeat of the church. I said this many times last week. Just like gasoline keeps your car going, passion is what keeps the church moving. We must be passionate people. We've got to be passionate about reaching the lost. We've got to be passionate about serving God. I like what David said. He said in Psalm 69, 9, for the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. I'm just it's like a fire shut up in my bones, Jeremiah said. I'm passionate. I'm passionate about what God has done for me. I'm passionate about the future. I'm passionate about revival. I'm passionate. Uh, And really, I meant to go on from that last week, but we just got all passionate and worked up, and we prayed and hooped and hollered for a while, and it was awesome. We need to be passionate. You've got to be passionate, and and just to, if you weren't there, just to remind you, uh, we talked about everyone is passionate. Look, look, you're, you're passionate about something. We're passionate about something. It might be about a certain uh, video, movie, television show. It might be about a certain person. It might be about a certain sporting event. But everyone is passionate about something. And so we've got to do what the Bible says and set our affection on the things above and not on things of the earth. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So if you say, I'm passionate about the kingdom of God, but if you're not coming to church, I'm sorry. If your time and your money and your energy and your talent isn't in the kingdom of God, don't tell me you're passionate about the kingdom of God. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I gave this example, and it's good, so I'm going to give it again. You think about people that are invested in the stock market. What do they do the first thing when they, they get up in the morning and the, the ding, ding, ding stock market going, going off? If you're invested in Walmart, you want to see how your stock's doing in Walmart because your treasure is there, so your heart is there. So that's why we got to make sure we put our treasure into the church and into the kingdom of God. We put our time into the kingdom of God. We put our money into the kingdom of God. We put our heart. The Bible says love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. We are passionate. I sure hope we never stop being an excited church. So we are passionate. David, we already gave some scriptures about him. Psalm 122, verse 1. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. He was a passionate man. Uh, And you see in 2 Samuel chapter 6, David's desire was to return the Ark of the Covenant back where it belonged. He was passionate about getting the glory of God back where it belonged. We want, oh, we want God's glory here. We want the Ark of the Covenant here. He was passionate in 2 Samuel chapter 6, and this is where some of our new material is going to begin this evening. And so in his passion in 2 Samuel 6, he gathers together chosen men, and he starts bringing them together saying, let's go get the Ark. Let's bring back the glory of God. We want it. And they passionately go after it. And what you find, though, is they do it incorrectly. They, you see throughout this act, he says, throw it on a new cart. And uh, let's just get this thing as quickly as possible. We want the glory. Woo! We want the fire. We want the power. And they started handling the glory of God improperly. And someone lost their life that day. Here it is. He was passionate but not accurate. He did not do things according to the ordinances of God. So passion is not enough. Being passionate is not enough. We're going to move to our A tonight. Haley, good choice in your shirt tonight. The A, we are apostolic. We are apostolic. I want you to say this. I am apostolic. This is an apostolic Pentecostal church. This is an apostolic Pentecostal church. We are passionate, 
but we are also apostolic. And what did they do in the book of Acts after that great outpouring of the Holy Ghost? Verse 42, please don't worry about the pictures. You're good. Just leave them alone. Verse 42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. So after all of the glory and the tongue-talking and the baptisms, they continued in the doctrine. Doctrine is what keeps us on track. Doctrine, that's the guidelines. That's what defines this thing as the actual race. I want you to hear this. In, in 2019, there was a marathon in Portland, and these runners, over 15 of the fastest runners, and they're out ahead of the pack, but the race did not have very uh, clear lines. It, it was a newer course, and it was poorly marked. And these fast runners actually missed the, the course and for a couple miles were just running, just, just running. They weren't in the race. <laughs> So then they have to try to circle back, and they, even though they were the fastest runners, they lost the race because the course was not clearly marked. They were some of the fastest, but there was not clear markings, so they got off track. I want us to pray right now, and I just want there to be a focus over the next few moments about what I'm going to talk to you about. In Jesus' name, Lord, I pray that you would help us. We're passionate. God, we're running after your presence. We want there to be a great outpouring of the Holy Ghost. God, and we're apostolic. We are committed to the doctrine. We are committed to your word. God, we want to do things that's pleasing unto you. We want to abide by the scripture. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah. In Jesus' name, let there be a focus right now. No distractions. All of us of one mind and one accord right now. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah, hallelujah. We want the glory just like David did, but we've got to go about it in a proper manner. This isn't just a free-for-all. This isn't just do whatever we want to do. This isn't just believe whatever you want to believe. There is the word of God. Psalm 119, 105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. 2 Timothy 3, 16 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable, very first one, for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction, and in righteousness. We need the word of God. This isn't just believe whatever you want to believe. There is a word of God. There is something that is right. It's already settled. And we are going to follow the tried and true track. We're not trying to make a copy of 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 a church. We are the New Testament church. We go back to the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles. This is an apostolic Pentecostal church. We are passionate. But we're not just running around like chickens with our heads cut off. We have direction. We are moving after the principles and the word of God. Galatians 5, 7, uh, 5, 7, Paul said, Ye did run well. Who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth? The truth. So we are staying on the track of truth. We are not going to let anything or anyone derail us or distract us from this race. I'm not going to listen to somebody that says, well, listen, if you wouldn't just preach it so strong and so straight, then you could have more people. Well, what? this isn't just running around in circles and just doing whatever we want to do. We are following the word and the ways of God. This is a race. So we have to stay in line. Isaiah 28, we like verses 11 and 12. This is a, a prophetic word about the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. It says, for with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people, to whom he said, this is the rest wherewith ye may cause the weary to rest. 
the power of the Holy Ghost. If you've never received the gift of the Holy Ghost evidence by speaking with other tongues, I'm telling you, if you'll just surrender to the Lord tonight, as we begin to worship the Lord, the power of the Holy Ghost will come upon you, and you can experience it for yourself. But in order to get to that glory, we can't bypass scriptures like 9 and 10, which is right above it, which says, Whom shall he teach knowledge? And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. For precept must be upon precept. And it's like, let's say it again. Precept upon precept. And then line upon line. And let's say it again. Line upon line. Here little, there little, and then it goes into, for with stammering lips and another tongue. We want the glory of God. We want the power of the Holy Ghost. And so we are going to line up with the doctrine of God's word. We're going to do this in a biblical manner. Galatians 3 verse 3, it says, Having begun in the spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? So we are following after the Spirit, and we are looking to the Word of God. I want you to repeat a few things after me. Say, the oneness of God, the plan of salvation, the beauty of holiness. I'm going to say that again. The oneness of God, the plan of salvation, the beauty of holiness. The oneness of God, the plan of salvation, the beauty of holiness. Hallelujah. Jesus. There is still this thing called truth. And I've experienced it and bought it for myself. And I'm not going to sell it now. I'm not going to say, well, here, somebody says, well, there's a detour and there's a different way. And it's a quicker, it's, a, it's, it's quicker. It might be quicker, but I don't know where it's going. <laughs> I'm running a race and it's a defined path. So we base, I want you to hear this. We base our doctrine off of God's word. We do not base God's word off of our doctrine. That's so good, I think I'm going to say it again. We base our doctrine off of God's word. We do not base God's word off of our doctrine. We do not take someone's commentary, we do not take someone's doctrine or philosophy, and then use that as the lens to study God's word. No, 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 no. It's the other way around. We dig into God's word, and that then is the filter and the lens through which we gain our understanding and we base all of our decisions. It doesn't matter... Everyone has opinions, just like everyone has a nose. And some of them are crooked like mine. <laughs> we base our doctrine off of God's word. Colossians 2.8 warns, it says, Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Okay, and so there are people that I believe are very, that they, they are sincere in what they believe. But unfortunately, some of them are sincerely wrong. Okay, so we are not looking, we are not getting on YouTube and Google to gain our doctrine, okay. I'm not saying, okay, well, they have, you know, a lot of followers, so I'm going to, no, I'm going to the Word of God and I am going to base my decisions off of that. The oneness of God, the plan of salvation, the beauty of holiness. We are passionate. We love that one true God with all of our heart, with all of our soul. We are committed to that one true God with everything inside of us. We are committed to salvation. We are so thankful that he would save us from our sins, that he would stoop down for fallen humanity. And so I am going to avail myself of that plan of salvation. Uh, I'm going to take a few moments. I don't know how far we get. I got like 20 pages, so I've got nothing but time. <laughs> the oneness of God, the plan of salvation, 
the beauty of holiness. We are passionate and we are apostolic. We are apostolic. I am apostolic. We believe in the oneness of God. Deuteronomy 6, verse 4, it says this, Hear, O Israel, or I'll say it this way, Listen up, Dunellen. Yoo-hoo! <laughs> now that I have your attention, the Lord our God is one Lord. We don't believe in many, many gods. We don't believe there are 100 gods. We don't believe there are two gods. We believe and we serve one God. One God. One God. And and again, I'm not trying to blast anyone. I'm going to read through a bunch of scripture. I'm not trying to blast anyone. But there is a popular doctrine Uh, of the Trinity. There is a Trinitarian doctrine that is very, very common nowadays, and it teaches God as as one in three persons, basically. He's, this is what it says, he's one, basically, in agreement, but there's three distinct persons. They say God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost, and in agreement that then these three are one. And I'm not being mean or anything like that, but I respectfully reject this doctrine because the Bible does not support this. I'm not trying to be mean or anything like that, but the Bible does not support a Trinitarian doctrine. Again, beware lest man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men and not after Christ. There is one God. Isaiah 43.10 says it this way. Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and and my servant whom I have chosen, that ye may know and believe me. This is important so we can know our God. Because my Bible says they that know their God are strong and do exploits. There's something powerful about knowing who God is. There is a special anointing on those who understand who they serve. It says this, uh, before me, he said, I am he. Before me, this is Isaiah 43.10 in case you're taking notes. I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. 4424, I am the Lord that maketh all things, that stretcheth forth the heavens alone, that spreadeth abroad the earth by myself. Isaiah 9, 6, his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. Who are we talking about there? Everybody celebrates it at Christmas time. It's Jesus. His name, Jesus shall be called Wonderful. Jesus shall be called Counselor. Jesus is the Mighty God. Jesus is the Everlasting Father. He told his disciples in John 14, verse 9, He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. Ephesians 4, 5 says there is one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. We believe in the oneness of God. The oneness of God. We believe that there is only one God and that he revealed himself through that person, Jesus Christ, or Jesus the Christ. First Timothy says, First uh, Timothy 2.5 says this, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Jesus had a dual nature, son of man, son of God. Humanity and divinity. As a man, he has limits. As divine, he is unlimited. As a human, he prayed. As divine, he answered prayers. (laughs) As a human, limited knowledge. As divine, he's omniscient. In his humanity, he says, on the cross, I thirst. 
as divinity, he says, I am the living water. As humanity, he was tired and slept in the bottom of a boat. As divinity, he stepped to the bow of the boat and said, peace be still. At Lazarus's tomb, you see his humanity as he cries. As divinity, you hear him crying, Lazarus, come forth. It's all in him. It's all through him. There's not God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. There is one God. He has many attributes, and he manifests himself in a broad variety of ways. He's our Father in creation. He's the Son in redemption. He's the Holy Ghost in action. Jehovah of the Old Testament revealed himself as Jesus in the New Testament. Colossians 2 verse 9, right after that scripture about beware lest men spoil you and all of that stuff. Uh, Verse 9, for in him, in Jesus, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Jesus is not just one of three in a Godhead. All of the Godhead dwelt in Jesus. In him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. 2 Corinthians 5.19 says it this way, God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. Some of the ways, I just want you to see this. How, how can Jesus be the Father and the Son? I do it. <laughs> I'm that little man's uh, daddy right there, and I'm that good look. I'm talking about you, Sammy. I'm your dad, right? Yeah. And I'm that good-looking woman's husband. Okay. How, how can Jesus uh, be, a fa- be the Father and the Son? Well, let me ask you this way. How, how can he be, uh, how can he be uh, the lion and the lamb? How can he be a rose and a lily? Uh, how can in uh, John 1.29 he is the, the lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world, and in John 10.11 he be the good shepherd? In Revelation 5, he's the lion. and Psalm 91, he's the rock. In John 7, 38, he's the living water. And in John 6, 35, he's the bread of life. He's, the, he's a consuming fire. And in Deuteronomy 4, 24, in Hebrews 12, 29, in Hebrews 6, 5, he's a priest. In, the, he, in Matthew 21, 11, he's a prophet. Let me tell you what we're trying to do. We are taking an unlimited, all-powerful God, and we are trying to understand him. His name is Jesus. Think about it this way. This is a fun one. This is a fun one, and I'm not trying to be crude or anything like that. But you just think about it. In Matthew chapter 1, so if you go with a Trinitarian doctrine, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. So God the Father would be Dad. But the problem with that then would be in Matthew chapter 1, it says now the birth, in verse 18, now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise when his mother Mary was a spouse to Joseph and uh, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. So who's the dad? God the Father or God the Holy Ghost? We, we understand that what, what, what we're doing is we are describing the, the, the presence of God in a different way. So it's not, so it, it's the Holy Ghost, it's in action, okay? So, so it's his spirit moving and working. So Jesus is not one of three in the Godhead. The Godhead is all in Jesus. Think about this now. Here's another fun one for you. Uh, so John chapter 8, John chapter 8, verse 44, speaking of the devil, Let's talk about the devil for a minute. It says this at the end. It says, when he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 3, it says, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Ephesians 2 verse 2 speaks of the prince and the power of the air, the spirit that worketh in the children of disobedience. (laughs) So there is a, so are you saying there's a, a uh, father devil, a son devil, and a spirit devil, and also there's a trinity of, of devils now. So, so we're not so so we won't limit the devil, but we we say, well, there's got to be multiple gods floating around. 
No, no, listen. They ain't three devils, and it doesn't th- take three gods to get the job done. There is one God, and he revealed himself. I am Jesus. I am Jesus. Could you just pray for a moment? Just ask the Lord to talk to us, to help us in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for speaking to us. We believe in your oneness. We are apostolic in our doctrine. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. That's why, that's why in the New Testament, when, when you know, because in the Old Testament, I am that I am that sent you. And in the New Testament, when Jesus said, I am, and they said, blasphemy. Because he's telling them, I'm God. Okay, there's one God. We believe, I want you to repeat after me again, the oneness of God. The plan of salvation. The beauty of holiness. Mm. There is a right way. There is a right way to serve God. <laughs> the oneness of God. The oneness of God. Again, we're staying on track. We're, we're, we're not trying to, uh, again, I've got nothing against anyone, anyone else. But as for me in this church, we are basing our doctrines off of the word of God. We're not trying to make the word of God fit into a preconceived doctrine. Okay. We are going to do things the Bible way. The plan of salvation. I'm not going to take a long time. I'm just going to hit these very quickly and and move on. But the plan of salvation. We believe in the oneness of God. We also believe in a uh, proper plan of salvation. John 3, 5, Jesus said, Except a man be born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. He cannot enter into the kingdom of God. He cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. All right, and we're, we'll look at a few more maybe in a minute. But, you know, there, again, we get our, we get our, our doctrines from the, the word of God. And so we can't, again, it's line upon line, precept upon precept, here little, there little. I cannot just take one scripture, pull it from the Bible, and then say, well, I'll do this, but I'm not going to do that. It's not like Matthew's right and John's wrong. No, it's not like competing. Or No, it's the word of God. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God. And we're going to be passionate in this church. We're going to reach the lost. We're going to evangelize. We're going to see revival. But we're going to do it according to the word of God. We are apostolic. There are some that say, believe, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Well, And I agree, yeah, you have to start. you got to start there. You got to, but don't just say, well, that sounds great. The prop, this is just me. What makes it real convenient is that's really easy. That requires, that requires no, like, stepping across the line. Believe in my heart. Nothing else has to change. No, we we do believe that, you know, you got to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. It's Acts 16.31. Yeah, it's in the Bible. It's, It's apostolic to believe. But you also must continue on with that belief because James 2.19, thou believest that there is one God. (laughs) Back to the oneness of God. Uh, That thou doest well, the devils also believe. Isn't that great? The devils are oneness. (laughs) And tremble. So, yeah, so all the devils must be saved because they believe. No, we believe, but now you have to do something with that belief. We still teach in repentance. We still teach that we must repent because there are scriptures like Luke 13, 3 and Luke 24, 47, just to name a few, that says, I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. There must be a point where we repent of our sins and not just saying, I'm sorry, and keep on doing it. 
repentance, that's I'm moving in this direction, but now I recognize I'm not living right, I'm not doing right, I am on my way to hell, and I want to be saved. So I repent, and I turn and begin to pursue the things and ways of God. Jesus said, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached beginning at Jerusalem. That's the 2447. Uh, so repentance, so yeah, we believe, and then you also have to repent, and you also have to be baptized. Remission of sins, he said, uh, preach re- uh, repentance and remission of sins. Go back to Acts 2.38. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. First Peter 3.21 lets us know it says that baptism doth also now save us. Here's a fun one to think about, Acts chapter 8, 16, because there's, there's some that improperly teaches that all of it happens just when you believe. Suddenly, I've just got the Spirit. And here's the problem with that. Acts chapter 8, uh, 16 says this, For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They had been baptized in Jesus' name, but they had not yet received the gift of the Holy Ghost. So we teach that you got to be baptized in Jesus' name. Uh, Acts chapter uh, 2, verse 38. Acts chapter 8, verse 16. Uh, Acts chapter 10, verse 48. Acts chapter uh, 19, verse 5. Uh, Romans chapter 6, verse 3 says, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ. We believe being baptized in Jesus' name is the biblical formula for baptism. 1 Corinthians uh, uh, 1, uh, 13, but Paul said, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? No. He said, I beseech you, this is verse 10, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. He was teaching to them Jesus. Galatians 3, 27 says, for as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Being baptized in Jesus' name is so important and it's so apostolic that disciples, disciples of John the Baptist, he kind of had the corner on the whole baptism thing, John the Baptist, he was kind of known for that, that in Acts chapter 19 that there were disciples that when they learned that we need to be baptized in Jesus' name, they were rebaptized baptized. Listen, it's not taken away. Uh, it's not taken away from any, uh, your relationship with God. Maybe you were baptized uh, in the titles, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, and and uh, that was, you know, you they, you weren't taught the rest of Scripture. They gave you Matthew 28, 19, but they didn't divide rightly divide the word of truth. Uh, you did that sincerely. I believe you did that with a, a love for God, wanting to please Him. But whenever you start seeing then that the Bible teaches you a certain Certain way, we must then be willing to say, I will, I, I choose to do the word of God. I choose to obey the ways of God, not a certain denomination, not, not a certain person, not because grandma told me to do it. If it's in the word of God, I do the word of God. We teach then that if you've repented and you've been baptized in Jesus' name, it is your privilege to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Some get it before they've been baptized, but the Bible says in Acts 2.38, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost after repentance and baptism. And it says in John chapter 7, verse 38, Jesus said, He that believeth on me as the Scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. This spake he of the Spirit. 2 Corinthians 4.16, when you receive the precious gift of the Holy Ghost, it says this, though our outward man perish, yea, the inward man is renewed day by day. Ephesians 3.16 says, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. Ah, I don't know, there are some great Good people out in, in this, you know. Uh, I'll say uh, Christ, Christendom, you know, that they're they're serving God and, and and maybe some form of Christianity, and they're doing their best to do good. And they're I don't know how how listen without the Holy Ghost, my word. 
I need the renewing of the Holy Ghost. I need the regeneration of the Holy Ghost. I've got to have that rest. I've got to have that power. And another part of being apostolic is living a different life. We are running a race, and we're staying on course. It's not a free-for-all. It's not us coming together in a huddle. Could you imagine, you know, the football team coming together and saying, uh, you know, the, the quarterback saying, we're going to do this, that, and the other, and they all say break, and they all just start running around. One's twirling like a ballerina. One's rolling around. One's just running his own and doing No. We, we are all unified, just like they were in one mind and one accord. We are unified around the word of God. We are continuing on with doctrine. Because Jesus has changed my life, hear this. Because Jesus has changed my life, everything changes about my life. He's changed my life. And so things begin to change about my life. 2 Corinthians 7, 1. Again, keep in mind, the oneness of God. I know I'm just shotgun blasting. If you'll just come service after service, you'll, you'll, get, uh, you'll get a mile marker along the way, and you'll hear another piece. I just want to kind of put this out there for you. All right, 2 Corinthians 7, 1, the oneness of God, the plan of salvation, the beauty of holiness. That's what I want to talk about, and we'll end in just a minute. Having, therefore, these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves Point your finger at yourself. Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of only the Spirit. Only the Spirit. Don't have to change anything else, but just my heart, me and Jesus, he's my homeboy and nothing. No. Let us cleanse ourselves of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. There should be a holy reverence that we have about our Savior, about that one true God, that I want to live a life that is pleasing unto him. Mm. Ha, ha. We believe in the beauty of holiness. Psalm 29, 2 says, Give unto the Lord the glory that is due unto his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. You want to know what other translations say there? Holy attire. There is a change that begins to take place in a pace setter's life. Somebody that's saying, I'm running after revival. I'm running after heaven. We're going to have a, a, growing, a growing church here. We're going to be passionate, and we're going to be apostolic. The beauty of holiness, because 1 Peter 1.16, it says, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Huh. We believe in living a separated life, separated from the world, and dedicated unto the Lord. We are staying on track. We are running this great race, but we're not just doing whatever we want to do. Like it says, I'm not just beating the air. I'm not just catching butterflies. I've got, I've got a course in mind. I've got something I'm doing. I'm tr I've got people that are following behind me. This isn't just Burger King. You know, I say it. You can't have it your way always. It's, it's God's way. Thy will be done. Your kingdom come. We believe in dedicating ourselves unto the Lord. We are running a race, and that means getting our flesh under submission. Well, I don't want to do that. I know. Doesn't that stink? I'm right there with you. There's things that the, the word of God is going to ask of us. It's not always going to be easy, but I bring myself, as Paul says, back in submission, and I do the will of God because we want apostolic power and demonstration, so we're going to be, we're going to be dedicated to apostolic doctrine. The beauty of holiness will start leading me to talk different, to dress different, to live different. How can I say that he saved me from my sins if I continue to live in those sins? That's not grace. That's disgrace. Uh, 
the oneness of God, the plan of salvation, the beauty of holiness. Romans 12:1 says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God. He says, I'm begging you. We're trying to do something. We're trying to build a church. We're trying to save souls. We're trying to bring out clarity. Think about how messed up this world is. It's waxing worse and worse. There's all kinds of confusing things, not just in the world, but about the Bible. They're hearing all kinds of things from YouTube and Google and wherever else. And uh, they, they need somebody that will line up with the Word of God and say, You can, look, I, I'm in the Word of God. This ain't my opinion because I'm doing things that I don't even want to do, but God asked me of it. He said, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. We believe in the oneness of God. We're committed to the plan of salvation. We submit to the beauty of holiness. He said, it is our reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. Hallelujah. Take a moment. Let's just pray. I'm going to bring this to a close. Hallelujah. We are passionate. We're excited. Oh, and we are apostolic. Ha, ha, ha. The oneness of God. The plan of salvation. The beauty of holiness. Mile markers. Guardrails. The track. Hmm. Jesus' name. Ah, Jesus. Hallelujah. We want to keep the church powerful. We want to keep the church apostolic. We want to keep this church moving forward after the things of God. It is not a drudgery to be apostolic. I'm not walking around and I'm like beaten and I ain't got no liberty. Are you kidding me? It is a good life. I'm a blessed man. God has prospered me. You you think about maybe maybe somebody that that you know you you lived in sin and you enjoyed the freedom of, of sin. How'd that work out? How, Lee out in the lobby. Come into the doorway, man. How, how did that whole oh, freedom in the world do whatever you want to do? How did that work out? Getting to do all the drugs and steal and hurt. How'd that work out? Give him that again. Oh yeah yeah. That, that's where living in the world will get you. And so, you know what? I'll take, I'll take the transformative power of God any day. The oneness of God, the plan of salvation, the beauty of holiness. <laughs> Those apostles, they were not afraid to look different, act different pray different and you start seeing throughout that apostolic church what they had. Acts 5 12 says, and by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. Chapter 4 verse 33 and it says and great power he gave the apostles and great grace was upon them all. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 4, my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom them, but in demonstration of the Spirit of God. There's something about truly knowing God. There's something special about giving your life to that one true God. They that know their God shall be strong and do exploits. <laughs> We're pace setters. I take you back to where we began. I'm wrapping this up. I take you back to David of the Old Testament. I want the glory. We're passionate about the power. We want the angelic visitation. We want all of that. And they were passionate and they did it wrong. But what happened after a time of repentance, David said, I've got to get the ark back. I want the glory back. So what did he do? He brought all of those Levites together. He said in 1 Chronicles 15, 13, he said, ye did not right at the first as the Lord and the Lord our God made a breach upon us so what did they do they got back to the ways of God and said okay this is what the word asks of us the Levites need to carry it and we've got to sacrifice we want the glory back home so we've got to do things right and so they started pacing it out one two three four 
five, six, and they made a sacrifice and they worshiped the Lord. The Bible says that King David took off his kingly garment and he began to worship the Lord. <laughs> he began to praise God. <laughs> Somebody didn't like it and said, oh, oh yeah, you look real dignified. He's like, I don't care what you think. I want the glory of God. I'll be more vile than this. And the person that mocked became barren. But the glory of God was on the family of David. Could you stand to your feet with me right now? I know it's a different speed than it was last week. I know we were hooping and hollering. I know we were excited, but we still need to be excited this week. We are an apostolic Pentecostal church. We are apostolic in doctrine. We are Pentecostal in our experience. We want the power of God, but we also want the truth of his word. Uh, we need some Davids that will recommit. We want the glory of God in this church, so we're going to do things right. Let's take a moment. Why don't you find a place to pray? Maybe kneel. You can stand. If you want to come to the altar, that's fine. But let's pray some, some doctrine into us right now. Oh, God, touch us. Come on, that's it. Use your own voice. Buy the truth and sell it not. Buy the truth and sell it not. I know there's a lot of different doctrines out there, but we get our doctrine from the Word of God. We don't get it from any kind of denomination. We get it from the Word of God. We go to the Word of God. Show me, Lord. Teach me your paths. Show me, Lord. I want to hide your Word in my heart. Ah, ha, 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 ha. Oh, there's one God, one true God. Jehovah robed himself in flesh. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for my sins because you died for me. Oh, Lord, I'm going to follow the plan of salvation. Oh, because I've been saved from my sins, I'm going to cleanse myself and follow after the beauty of holiness. Lord, help this to be an apostolic church. We want the glory of God in this city. Come on, others are watching church, watching us for a church planning pattern. Come on, there's people seeing what we're doing. Oh, we're going to be passionate. We're going to be excited. We're going to be cutting edge, but more than anything, we're going to be apostolic. We're going to make sure we're apostolic in our doctrine. Oh, oh. In Acts 3, Peter said, I don't have silver and gold, but I do have an understanding of the name of Jesus. Oh, you have power. Come on, apostolic church, we have authority. Oh, that's why there's such a liberty in our services. Oh.